Hello, and thank you for listening to today's Minutes with Maurice podcast. Last week, we considered the results and conclusions of several surveys, exams, and tests for a broad-brush look at the phenomenon of sleep by Homo sapiens. I promise you a part two podcast of sleep which would look at the more scientific aspects of sleep. It has proven to be a much greater challenge to be scientifically focused than I anticipated. Having been trained in a mechanical engineering discipline, I have concluded the science of sleep is subject to various interpretations by many scientists of many disciplines. There are some hard and fast findings that serve as the basis for further studies. You will probably recall some findings that were mentioned in last week's podcast. Sleep is a naturally recurring state of mind and body, demonstrated by altered consciousness mildly inhibited sensory activity, reduced muscle activity, and impediment of nearly all voluntary muscles during rapid eye movement or REM sleep, plus reduced interactions with surroundings. It differs from wakefulness with a decreased ability to react to stimuli, but is more reactive than a coma or disorders of consciousness. Non-REM and REM alternate as two distinct modes. During sleep, most of the body's symptoms are in an anabolic state. It helps restore the immune, nervous, skeletal, and muscular systems, which are vital processes that maintain mood, memory, and cognitive function, plus plays a large role in the first function of the endocrine and immune systems. Our internal circadian clock promotes sleep daily at night. Humans may suffer from various sleep disorders and not identify them as sleep-related. Some are obviously sleep-related. Some sleep disorders are grouped under a heading called dysomnias. Within dysomnias are insomnia, hypersomnia, narcolepsy, and sleep apnea. Yet another group called parasomnias includes sleepwalking and rapid eye movement sleep behavior disorder, bruxism, and circadian rhythm sleep disorders. As technology has improved our daily lifestyles and habits, it has led to a concomitant change in our sleep habits and comfort zones. Common use of artificial light 
have substantially altered humanity's sleep patterns. We take for granted artificial light, including the screens of electronic devices such as cell phones and televisions, which emit large amounts of blue light, which is a form of light typically associated with daytime. It, in turn, disrupts the release of the hormone melatonin needed to regulate the sleep cycle. This finding alone is the subject of several studies which could easily be the subject of another podcast. I'll leave it to the listener to pursue on your own. The most physiological changes in sleep occur in the brain. It uses significantly less energy during sleep than it does when awake, especially during non-random sleep. In areas with reduced activity, the brain restores its supply or of ATP or adenosine triphosphate. Just think of it as the molecule used for short-term storage and transport of energy. During our quiet waking state, the brain is responsible for 20% of the body's energy. So, the reduction has a noticeable effect on our overall energy consumption. A sleeping person perceives fewer stimuli, but generally will respond to loud noises and other salient sensory events. During slow-wave sleep, humans secrete bursts of growth hormones. All sleep, even during the day, is associated with the secretion of prolactin, which is best known for its role in producing milk and is influential in 300 separate processes in the human body. Key methods for monitoring and measuring changes during sleep include EEGs of brain waves, EOGs of eye movements, and EMGs of skeletal muscle activity. A simple request on Google will explain each of the methods. Simultaneous collections of these measurements is called polysomnography. Consider it your new word for the day. Polysomnography. Researchers also use simplified EKGs for cardiac activity and antigraphy for motor movements. Electrical activity, or an EEG, is called brain waves, and the intensity is related to one's sleep cycle, indicating the body is linked to certain waves at certain points during a person's day, such as being asleep, falling asleep, and being awake. The five different brain waves 
are all seen in the different stages of sleep. Non-REM and REM divisions of sleep were reviewed in last week's podcast, so I'll try not to dwell too long on their characteristics. The sleep cycle of alternate, non-REM, and REM takes an average of 90 minutes, about four to six times, in a good night's sleep. There is a greater amount of deep sleep earlier in the night, while the proportion of REM sleep increases just before natural awakening. Sleepers typically awake soon after the end of a REM phase, or sometimes in the middle of REM. Internal circadian indicators, along with a successful reduction of sleep need, usually brings about awakening and the end of a sleep cycle. Today, many humans wake up with an alarm clock, while some people wake themselves with no need for an alarm. Many sleep differently on work days versus days off, which encourages a pattern that can lead to chronic circadian rhythm disruptions, known as desynchronization. The internal circadian clock is greatly influenced by changes in light, since there are its main clues about what time it is. Exposure to even small amounts of light during the night can suppress melatonin and increase body temperature and wakefulness. Short pulses of light at the right moment in the circadian cycle can significantly reset the internal clock. Generally speaking, the longer an organism is awake, the more it feels a need to sleep, which is labeled as sleep debt by scientists. There is disagreement on how much sleep debt it is possible to accumulate and whether sleep debt is accumulated against an individual's average sleep or some other benchmark. However, humans seem to reach maximum sleepiness after 30 hours of waking up. Do you find yourself wishing you could just take a short nap around the middle of the day? Do it if you can. You are not alone. About one-third of American adults will take a daily nap. The right amount of nap time is around 10 to 20 minutes. Research has proven that it takes at least 30 minutes to enter the slow-wave sleep that is the deepest sleep in the cycle. Too long of a nap that enters the slow-wave cycle can be hard to awake from and can leave you feeling unrested. You end up in what is called sleep inertia or in a state of drowsiness for a period of time. Surprisingly, there are categories of naps. Recovery, 
prophylactic, appetitive, fulfillment, and essential. A recovery nap is a way to make up for a sleep loss. Prophylactic means to get sleep needed in anticipation of a long period of being awake. An appetitive nap is simply taken because a person enjoys it. Fulfillment naps are naps taken to fulfill your body and are often scheduled but can occur at any time. Essential naps are taken when one is sick and needs extra rest for their body's immune system to heal. Identical twins, but not fraternal twins, tend to have similar sleep habits. The quality of sleep can be evaluated from an objective and subjective point of view. Objective sleep quality considers how difficult it is for a person to fall asleep, remain in a sleeping state, and how many times they wake up during a single night. Poor sleep quality disrupts a cycle of transition between the different stages of sleep. Subjective sleep quality refers to a sense of being rested and regenerated after awakening from sleep. Sleep is considered adequate when there is no daytime sleepiness or dysfunction. Self-reported sleep durations is only moderately compared with actual sleep time as measured by activity. Folks affected with sleep time misperception may often report having slept only four hours, even after sleeping a full eight hours. By the time infants reach the age of two, their brain size has reached 90% of an adult-sized brain. A more majority of this brain growth has occurred during the period of life with the highest rate of sleep. Children who sleep through the night and have few waking episodes have higher cognitive attainments and easier temperaments than other children. Having a reliable bedtime routine can help improve a child's quality of sleep and prepare them to make and keep healthy sleep hygiene habits in the future. The essential function of sleep may be its restorative effect on the brain. Sleep is of the brain, by the brain, and for the brain is a theory strengthened by the fact that sleep is observed to be a necessary behavior across most of the animal kingdom. It is widely accepted that sleep must support the formation of long-term memory and generally increasing previous learning and experience recalls. During sleep, especially REM sleep, humans tend to experience dreams. 
They tend to be elusive and mostly unpredictable first-person experiences, which seem logical and realistic to the dreamer while they are in progress, even though they are frequently bizarre, irrational, and have surreal qualities that become apparent when reviewed after waking. Sigmund Freud postulated that dreams are the symbolic expression of frustrated desires that have been relegated to the unconscious mind, and he used dream interpretation in the form of psychoanalysis in attempting to uncover these desires. Erotic content in dreams is common. I will reserve further details for the listener to research on their own. Insomnia is a general term for difficulty falling or staying asleep. It is the most common problem with 10 to 15% reporting a chronic condition. Sleeping medications such as Ambien and Lunesta are a popular treatment for insomnia. Obstructive sleep apnea is a condition in which major pauses in breathing occur during sleep, which in turn disrupts the normal progression of sleep, often causing other more severe health problems. Major risk factors for sleep apnea include chronic fatigue, old age, obesity, and snoring. And so we arrive at the subtitle of these two podcasts, Too Much or Too Little. The consensus is most adults function best after seven to nine hours of sleep a night. Fewer than seven hours, we tend to be impaired. Persistently below six hours per 24, we are at an increased risk of health problems. Only you can determine your best sleep regimen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I hope some part of both podcasts has been helpful in your understanding of the phenomenon of sleep. Be sure to click on forward to listen to next week's podcast. Until then, I am Maurice St. Germain.